0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, your Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Free Life Community Church. How are you today? Great. And uh, welcome to uh, our Mecca campus and those of you listening online on Facebook, uh, if you're watching on a website, if you're watching uh, on our app, or indeed if you're listening on the radio. We're grateful and thankful that you joined us, amen? And so isn't it a glorious day this morning? The sun is shining outside, it's not really all that cold yet, and uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying when the sunshine comes out, aren't you? It just changes the day for me, yeah? And, and it's, it's indicative to me of of the sun of God shining within my heart. The warmth that I feel. It's nearly the same. You know? It's the same type of thing. Except that one's from the outside, one's from the inside, and the one from the inside just gets bigger and stronger, and it keeps shining regardless of what the weather is outside or anything else. That's the difference between the two. Now, this sermon series that we've been in is is All In. Now, you notice that the letters are still there. Uh, They're a different color now than they were a week ago. Uh, But, in fact, it's the same. And we are finishing up, this is the last sermon in this series of Committed, All In. And today, we're committed to His mission. We're committed to His mission. And we're going to begin a new sermon series very quickly on... The church that God desires. That's upcoming. And the question I have is, are we building the church God wants, or are we building the church we want? Wow, right? It's going to shock you. It's going to stun you. You're going to be like, I hate to admit it, but yeah, that's, that's true. It's happening. And that's scary. But friends, we can't understand what kind of church God wants or how to build it unless we're committed and all in. Amen? Got to be committed to His message. Got to be committed to everything about Him. And you got to decide in your own heart and mind that you're going to be committed to His mission. Because that's the reason we're here anyway. His mission. And it hasn't ended. As far as I can see, the Great Commission has not yet been canceled. Amen? And so we have a job to do. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Scroll down to verse 9. This is a familiar and tremendous passage from the Apostle Paul. And he states here that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him, From the dead, you will be saved. Now, think on that for a minute. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I I have more to read on that, but I want to tell you something right off the bat. There are people out there saying, yep, that's all that's necessary. Boom, boom, there it is, bam. And there's other people out there saying, well, wait a minute. I think it's more than that. Who's right? Both are. Both are right. The problem with it is we gravitate toward one or the other. Got to have both. Before we get into this message, I need you to understand that that's all you need to do. But when you do it, it requires more of you. Okay? Both are necessary. Both are true. And you got to have both. If you confess. That jesus is your lord you believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead that he's got, that means he's god's son guess what that's all it's required for you to start the process but it requires something of you in obedience amen this is true okay look what he says here in verse 10 one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness you see that you start off by believing but because you do it compels you to become like him which is being righteous In his sight not yours not not the community not society not even sometimes your local church no what he says is righteous and he spelled it out for us isn't that amazing so when you believe with your heart it results in righteousness and one confesses then with the mouth which results in salvation you understand salvation doesn't happen until that occurs Paul is clear. Salvation does not and cannot happen until this occurs. There it is. For the scripture says, listen to this, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Some Bibles say on him. Okay? Everyone who believes in or on him will not be put to shame. Now, shame could be a lot of different things, but we're going to bypass that at this moment. And I'm going to go to the next where he says, Since there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on Him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, get this, will be saved. This is a stunning, stunning, revelation from the Apostle Paul and I have to dare say if you understand what he's saying here that could only have been revealed by the Holy Spirit no way can he make these statements on his own or think it up this is coming from Christ himself and for all the naysayers out there that think that if it didn't come in the Gospels and it isn't in the red letter edition then you don't have to obey it well, That's false. Paul was called By Jesus himself on the road to Damascus yes or no yes he was and because he was what Paul says comes directly from the Spirit in fact we can prove that when Paul went back to Jerusalem and they were scared to death of him right and and he said listen guys this is what I've been teaching now you know I wasn't with you and I wasn't with Jesus on this earth I didn't I didn't walk around with you guys but this is what I've been teaching because he taught me through the power of the Spirit And they're like, that's exactly what we've been teaching. Yeah, because what the Spirit taught me and what Jesus taught you in the flesh is the same message. I couldn't possibly have known it unless I either walked around with you and him, and you know I didn't do that, or his Spirit taught me directly because he called me specifically. It's the same message. So the message that they taught are from the Christ. And the message Paul taught was also from the Christ. They're one and the same. And we'd better perk up and listen. Amen? That's a fact. So when we start talking about, well, you know, if Jesus, well, he did say it. Just use the Apostle Paul to voice it. So as I begin to think about what Paul is saying here and the relevance behind what he has done here. Uh, Doc Coker and I used to have uh, these, 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 these deep conversations. Uh, and we would go to lunch on, on Mondays. And I, I miss those Mondays. Uh I I, I would admit that it, it it's an hour or so a week that I gain back. But it's a lifetime of understanding that I lose. And so Doc and I would go and a couple other pastors and friends would would, would go with us. Uh we usually always went to uh uh Pauline's, we call it Pauline's, but it's uh uh what is it called? Uh what is it? Royal Mandarin, yeah, and so we would always eat there, and uh, and we'd hang out, and we for an hour or so around lunchtime, and uh, we'd have these conversations. And I remember one time, <laughs> a couple times, uh, Earl McClellan was with us, and so was uh, uh, Bruce Spidell. and and Doc and I, we got into this conversation, and and, and Bruce and I would go, oh gosh, let, let's let's not get into these things, and we would get into these conversations, going back and forth, going back and forth, talking, and finally. It was me and Doc talking. It was Bruce and Earl talking. Earl said, Hey, you want us to leave? <laughs> you know, no, 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 guys. You know, and so, but we would talk about these things. And I'm telling you, Doc used, used to say to me, Gosh, do you ever wonder what we don't know? I'm like, Yeah, I think it's a lot. Right? I think it's a lot we don't know. So we try to focus on what we do know to try to understand what we don't. Does that make sense? We focus on what we don't know to try to understand what we don't and so as I begin to think about that I started thinking about some things that are practical as it relates to this and I got a question for you has anybody in here online at Mecca wherever anybody listen have you ever thought gosh I'm working for free have you ever asked yourself am I am I working for free here isn't that a compelling question who, who in here thinks that they may have at one time worked for free who thinks you're working for free now be honest you know you have so many bills and you work all month all these hours you know and 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 you're dog tired you're you know you don't have any more time to pick another job or whatever and you pay all the bills and you don't have any money left you're like I'm working for free have you ever felt like that there's no end in sight neither I think I'm gonna be working free for quite a while yeah And you can't do anything for yourself or things that you'd like to do for those that you love or under your uh, commitment or or whatever. And some people can't take vacations because of that. And if they do take vacation, they just stay at home and get the downtime. And then I've known some people that would work during their vacation to get two checks because of that week because they're allowed to do it. Some places allow that. And that's the only time that they're not working for free. They think, because they got a little extra that week. Now you've heard people say that they're working for free, and it gets old. How many of you think that working for free will eventually get old? Mm-hmm. Now most of us don't mind working when we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. You can see the result of something you've worked for something, and you're 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 you're, or you're building something, and you want that, and so you re- you see the result of what's happened. You're like, okay. Now, I, I, I can, I can ex- I accept that. I, I, I don't mind working for something where I see the result that it benefits me. And even though we're responsible, you know, or usually responsible for getting ourselves into debt, it still hurts when we never seem to get ahead. Anybody been there before? Now, the mission of the church, friends, Belongs to God. You're like, well, weren't we just talking about us getting ahead? I was hoping for a sermon on that. <laughs> what we talk? Where, 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 where are you going here? Can you bear with me? I, I'm, I, I'd appreciate it if you would, because I think you're going to see where this comes together. The mission of the church belongs to God; it always has, and it requires us to be saved, doesn't it? If you're going to work in the church you have to be saved amen amen okay it also requires your obedience would you agree with that working in the church requires you to be saved and to be obedient okay this this sermon that we're going to talk about deals with the two requirements of salvation okay acknowledging the resurrection of Jesus, yeah? You've got you to acknowledge that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, yes, which makes him the Son of God. And more than that, we have to commit ourselves to the lordship of his Christship. Those are the two requirements. You have to believe that he rose from the dead, making him God's son, and you have to commit yourself to his lordship, that he's the king of the universe, Yeah? That's what you have to do. It explains to us also how we become this welcomed presence when we take the message of salvation to others. You might think, well, I've taken the message to others. I didn't feel welcomed. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We're going to get into that for a second. Now, the Apostle Paul, going to another, I'm, I'm kind of doing three things here, and I'm going to bring them together. So bear with me. So the Apostle Paul is remembered as the evangelist to the Gentiles or to the, what we consider the non-Jews. Now, when he went to the Gentiles, he didn't want to. He said, oh, no, Lord, I, 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 I can't go to those people. I don't know them. They're not my people. I don't, right? I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I, I've uh, studied and understood the law, you know, the Pentateuch, right? This is, this is what I do. And you want me to go to those people who know nothing about it? And Jesus said, yeah. So Paul went. And after about three years, God said, uh, I need you to go back to Jerusalem to the Jews. He goes, no, I don't want (laughs) to go back to them people. No, please no. Right? Now, you've, you've felt that way before, haven't you? You felt like there are certain people you couldn't deal with. And then you get to know certain people, and you don't want to go back to the old people. It's just life. It's getting to understand different cultures, different ways of thinking, different people. But you find out that people, and Depeche Mode got it right, people are people. Now, anybody is anybody a Depeche Mode fan in here? you are doing this. Well, I'm an 80s guy, and so Depeche Mode was one of my bands. People are people, and and the song is, is 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 right. And in in the message there, you find out that we're pretty much the same. And uh, years and years ago, there was uh, a, a commercial that came out. It was on America, and they would have it was it was almost played almost every time after um, uh, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. You remember that one? Yeah. And so this this one came out. And it was a two hundred million people. No two are quite the same. And yet we're all Americans. Basically, what they're saying. We're different, but we're the same. There's a lot more than 200 million people in the United States now. But you understand what I'm saying. Okay, so this is the point. People are people. We're different, and yet we're the same. You have to grasp that off the bat. We are the only creation made in the image of God that makes us unique. We might not get along, but we're all made in the image of God. Amen? You, gotta you got to grasp that. You've got to get that. And God wants to save every last one of them. Amen? Okay, you follow me so far? Very important that we get it. Now, Paul frequently inaugurated his ministry in new cities by attending, like, the local synagogues, you know, the local churches. Uh, he would talk with, the, with, with other Jews while he was doing it. Sometimes he's accepted, sometimes he wasn't. Uh, but he tried to integrate himself into all different walks of life of people. And he wasn't comfortable doing it. He didn't like it actually and he felt like sometimes with some people it's like he had to talk down to him because they didn't grasp where he was coming from he had to, he had to watch what he said around the Jews for fear that they would you know reject him you know or get angry at him for for things he might say uh, and, and it too was because they didn't understand uh, and any in and certain classes of people he had to change a little bit because he knew they knew he was at, at one time you know this Pharisee right uh, the, the, the sinners didn't like him around because he was a holy holy roller. Uh, and, and the people that were in the synagogues didn't much care for him because he was part of that, that new way, that Jesus stuff. Saw a movie a number of years ago, one of my favorite ever, Forrest Gump. And Lieutenant Dan says one time when they're talking, he goes, Jesus this and Jesus that. Almost with some disdain. Acknowledging that there's Jesus, but He's not going to really fix my problems. And Christians sometimes are put in this category that we're Jesus freaks. In fact, I think there's a band that came out with a song called Jesus Freak. And they acknowledge that they are. You see, friends, we're all from a different walk, we're all from different perspectives we're offering different thought processes but we're still all God's creation you understand that his highest creation really we're not there yet but we're going to be amen okay made a little lower than the angels but when we're given the new heavenly body that Jesus has we'll be God's highest creation do you understand that okay so you're in process of becoming that you're coming you know in, in uh, the mass community uh the the teenagers do chrysalis and as they 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 go from uh a caterpillar to a butterfly yeah that's what we're doing that's what this is all based on that's where we're going and, and we're all still people and paul is working with all these people and Rather than worried about the walk of life that these people are in or who they are, whether they understand him or not, or whether he has something in common with them or not, he sees them as God does, as Christ does, and that's as God's creation, who desperately needs to be saved to be with him in eternity. That's what Paul sees. And it changes him from the inside out when he does it. You understand? And that's exactly what should happen to you and me, yeah? It's exactly what we should be doing. Now listen, I've stood in line at McDonald's, I've, stood, you know, I've, I've been around people and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Right? Who who hasn't done that? Come on. Okay? And I'm thinking to some people, how do you survive out here? Right? I'm disappointed in people a lot. Are you? But I want to look at them, and God forgive me, I don't always. But I want to look at them in the manner way that Jesus does and realize what a great Christian they would be. That they need to be saved. That they're his creation. Yeah? It doesn't matter how dumb they are. It doesn't matter how stupid they act. It doesn't matter the silly things that they do or don't do. None of that matters because we're all created uniquely different. And yet all of us are the same in that we all need Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, this is is what Paul saw. It's what I want to see. And so he eventually becomes this pioneer in ministry to the Gentiles. And and he he exhorts the church, likewise, to discard uh, all their old traditions and, and realize that the gospel is for everyone. And we have a hard time in the modern church discarding our old traditions. Don't we? We have a hard time discarding our old traditions. And yet, we look at that Paul wanted them to and think, why didn't they? (laughs) Right? Yeah, we don't want to. And let's face it, every year we make new traditions. Did you know that? And they become old eventually. Have you noticed that? And no matter what you've created in your traditions, when newer generations want to change it, you don't, you, you, you're resistive. You don't want to. You, you, because you're, you're comfortable where you are, thank you very much. This is how I connect to Jesus, and that's how I'm going to continue to connect to Jesus, because there's just no other way. You see, right? And maybe I'm willing to admit that there is, but I'm just not going to do it. Yeah? Now come on. So, so you can understand why... Certain people don't understand why we hang on to those things any more than than those people couldn't understand why they were hanging on to them and why Paul wanted them to change it. You know, they didn't understand why Paul wanted them to do that. So people are one and the same. You got to understand that. In this passage, he outlines the nature of the message of redemption. And then he talks about our responsibility to follow in his footsteps and to share it with others. And it doesn't matter whether we get along with them or not. It doesn't matter if we talk the same language as they do or not. It doesn't even matter, my friends, if we like them or not. You see? And this is a message nobody wants to hear. Because we want to take the gospel message to the, our friends and the people that understand us and the people we think will listen and the people we get along with. They're like us, blah, 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 and yet we don't. what we make this deal with ourselves and with God you know God I I, I can't I I can't I can't see myself going to people I don't like or don't get along with but I'll go I'll go why can't I go to the people that I know or the people that are like me or that I walk in the same circles with or or same backgrounds or whatever why can't do that God says okay go ahead and you're like I'll get to it right isn't this happening it's happening all it's happening all over town kids i'm not supposed to say that anymore folks (laughs) we're we're this is what we're doing you see we make a deal with god and we don't make good on the deal and god says i knew you wouldn't just go to anybody who will listen to you go to anybody that the opportunity arises for you to go to how about that they're not always going to be in your wheelhouse In fact, a lot of times they aren't. Paul went to people where none of them were in his wheelhouse. He went anyway. Stunning. You see, we sometimes and maybe even oftentimes struggle to work in the mission of God because it seems like we never have time for ourselves, let alone time for that. But we've made this deal with God that we'll do it if the situation is right. We're still not doing it. You see, it doesn't matter what deals we make or what the situation is. We're still just not going to do it. Or we haven't. But we're always going to. Have you noticed that? We equate this with the working for free mentality that we oftentimes have. And yet we seldom stop to think about the debt that Jesus paid for us. Have you done that? When you look at the debt that Jesus paid for you and what he's asked of you, somehow it doesn't equate. It just doesn't. You can never repay what he did for you. None of us can. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do the things he's required and asked of you to do. You may never repay the debt. But you can't have this attitude that I'm, what difference does it make? I'm working for free anyway. That doesn't matter. He's asked you to pour out all that you are, knowing that the people you're going to may never accept him. He did. Didn't he? Didn't he go to people that he knew probably would never accept him? Did he consider it working for free? Did he consider it a lost cause? Apparently not. He kept doing it. And then he went to the cross. For all of us, you know. <laughs> the ones that would accept and the ones that wouldn't. He still did it. You see, we're working for him. Why? We're only working for him because our death's been paid. That's the only reason we're working for him. And that should really make us committed to the mission that he's given, which is his mission. And there are several things that should not only compel us to commit to it, but more than that, desire it. And here's why. First, You and I are invited to serve a new king. Now, that's exciting for some of us, especially if you don't like the old king. Yeah? I mean, at every election, a presidential election, some people are excited and some people are disappointed. Yeah? Are you with me here? The word Lord means king, ruler, or sovereign. Put that in your head. That's what it means. And when we proclaim that Jesus is Lord, we're saying something. When you say that Jesus is my Lord, or he's the Lord of everything, you made an incredible statement when you just did it. You understand that? Now, the King James Bible uh, translates verse 9 that if you confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Now, something gets lost there. This is one of the few times That I really struggle with that translation because this translation doesn't make the declaration that the original Greek actually means and some of the newer translations okay say something different in fact the King James here almost makes calling Jesus Lord optional this is the problem because that isn't what was intended okay so the newer translations rightly set the phrase aside in a quotation saying, Jesus is Lord. You understand that? Jesus is Lord. In fact, this declaration was used in the early church as a public profession of faith. When you decided you wanted to become a disciple of Christ, you wanted to get saved, then you would stand up before the entire church and you, you would begin to speak about what he's done in your life, why you want to do it, and then you would say, Jesus is Lord or he is my Lord. And when you did it, People expected you to be different than you were before you said it. And they're going to hold you to it, too. We don't hardly do that anymore. And I'm thinking maybe we should. If you're going to say that Jesus is Lord, that means he's the Lord of your life. Well, it doesn't look like it then. Amen? You understand the point? I think there's a purpose behind what was done in the early church. And some of those traditions we've changed that we should not have changed. I agree that there are certain traditional things that don't matter how we do them, that we, we could change them to bring some newness. But there are certain things, friends, should never change, and that is professing that Jesus is Lord. And by saying it, you mean it, and it shows in your life. Shouldn't that be true? I'm not, I'm not losing you, am I? Okay, very important. Now, when you said Jesus was Lord, This was problematic for two reasons. One, when you did it, the Romans referred to their ruler as Lord Caesar. You understand that? And when you said, Jesus is my Lord, you made a commitment to something higher than Caesar. And that was a no-no. That was a no-no. That's why a lot of Romans struggled to say Jesus is Lord, because Caesar was. That happens in the Roman Catholic Church today a little bit. I'm not picking on them. I came from them. I'm just saying that that could be a problem. Because to me, when Roman Catholics say, well, the Pope gets the word from God. No, the word of God's right here. He gets it the same. He's to lead people in what the word of God says. But anytime he gets a word that's different from this, we have a serious problem. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? No one is higher than another. Not in the kingdom of God, they're not. Now, we may call, be called and appointed into positions of authority, and in positions of exposition. I get that. But even so, as pastor, I'm not higher than you. And a pope isn't higher than me. It doesn't matter what church I serve. Amen? That's just the way it is. And that's what Paul is trying to say. And gosh, he was a Roman citizen. So you can understand what Paul did and what it meant when he got people to do it, okay? So here's the deal, friends. (laughs) When we put Jesus in the Lord position of our lives, I want you to follow me here. When you put Jesus as Lord in that position in your life, it immediately puts you in direct conflict too with Satan. Do you get this here? It puts you in direct conflict with Satan. This is an issue because not only does Satan wish us to serve him, he does so by prompting and convincing us to serve ourselves. So it doesn't look like we're serving him. You you follow me here? He prompts you, convinces you to serve yourself, which is serving him. But it doesn't look like it. But when Jesus is the Lord of your life, it puts you into direct conflict with Satan and oftentimes yourself. Somebody explain that to me. Where's Doc when you need him? Huh? Explain that to me. And yet here it is. And he and I talked about this again and again and again. And I said, how are we going to He said, I don't know how we're going to do it. Well, wait a minute, you've been in ministry for like 90 years or something. He said, "I and and I still don't know how to do it. Because people are, well, they're people. You understand? See, we're back to full circle here. People are people. And they're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to believe what they want to believe, yeah? You know why. So what do you do here? See, this is why complete surrender has to happen. This is why complete surrender has to happen. And if you have only have surrender, you're not a Christian. You couldn't be. You couldn't possibly be a Christian if you, if you partially surrendered. Amen? How many of you know that? Yeah, you, 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 you couldn't do it. This is why it's so important. Because it will put you in direct conflict with yourself if you don't. You will never actually make Jesus Lord of your life if you don't fully surrender. And when you partially surrender, you're in direct conflict with yourself all the time. And tell me how that's working out. Not very well. Amen? Now, when you do that, you're only saying he is Lord of your life because he isn't. Now let's take a closer look. Paul insisted two things are necessary for salvation. Belief in the resurrection of Jesus and a commitment to him as Lord. We talked about that, yeah? In this way, a genuine commitment involves the heart as well as the mouth. Have you noticed that the heart and the mouth are sometimes different? Has anybody figured that out yet, that the heart and the mouth are sometimes different? Amen? Right? I mean, I I had a blast putting this sermon together. And then I was like, oh, gosh, how am I going to do this? Huh? This is good stuff, but I don't want to preach it. (laughs) Right? Because somebody's not going to agree with me here. Or they're going to see that it's true and like, oh. Yeah. But the fact is, a genuine commitment involves the heart as well as the mouth, and they have to be in sync. Have you ever watched a TV show or watched a musical and the picture shows one thing but the words come out of the mouth or something else? <laughs> Has anybody ever seen that before? Doesn't that just bust you up? You're like, you see them singing, but they're like, the words are behind or, or ahead or whatever, and you're, and you're like, and you're, tra- and you're like, oh, and you gotta stop. Because you you, 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 your mind can't, can't put it together that way. Yeah, we, we want it to be together. I've seen many, uh, videos and movies where that happen where the is playing but the words are lagging. Have you noticed that? You 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 can't you can't it drives you insane trying to do it. Yeah. Crazy. But it happens. And we see it. It's frustrating. And you've also heard people make statements, but you don't necessarily believe that they're being truthful. Or that they have actually believe and care about what they're saying. Have you ever done that? People are making these statements, but they don't seem to have much passion behind what they're saying. You're like, I hear you saying it, but uh, I don't know if you really believe it. Anybody? Kind of hard to put your faith and trust in that person, isn't it? Kind of hard to believe anything they say. Yeah. The same is true of salvation this is why the heart and the mouth have to be together Paul talks about heart and he means the basis of your thoughts and your emotions so if Jesus is really Lord then he is ruler of your whole life amen and he cannot be put in a closet or he can't be put on a shelf only to be taken out or taken down when you need him okay or when you want people to see him in your life. <laughs> see, this, this, this message is so practical, we probably won't like it. You see? I didn't like it. Because it made me put things in perspective. I really don't care to do that sometimes. Right? Friends, when your heart and your mouth are out of sync, It's really more obvious than you actually know. People see you making these Christian statements, but your mouth and reality are not in sync. Just like the video and the voice on television. When they're out, people know it. And when your Christianity and your statements are out of sync, they know it, you see. Friends, you have to understand that Jesus is greater than Caesar. The Romans had to understand that even though they called Caesar Lord, that Jesus is and always will be greater than Caesar. Caesars will come and go. Jesus is the same. And Caesar is any government, it's any company, it's any entity that you give any credence to at all. He's greater than that. Why? Because he offers forgiveness from sin and the promise of eternal life. And none of them ever do that because they can't. And so serving this new king is absolutely an invitation that I think you should accept. Anybody with me here? I think serving this new king that you've been invited to serve, I think you should accept that. Anybody with me here? You should accept. And when you do, commitment to his mission is not only required, you're going to want to. If you really surrender and you really accept the invitation, friends, listen, if you don't fully surrender, then you didn't really accept the invitation, because the invitation requires your surrender. You you, you get what I'm saying here? It requires it. And when you do it, you'll want to serve. Not feel like, oh, I've got to serve. You see? And if you don't really seem to want to serve Him, it means you really don't want salvation. And nobody in here would say that. Nobody in here would ever say they didn't really want salvation. I mean, I've never talked to a person that was backsliding and say, hey, did you really want salvation? Uh, I, I know, no, I never really did. <laughs> nobody, nobody has ever said that to me. And I don't think anybody ever will if they understood where this is going, you see. And I need you, friends, to think about the depth of that reality for a second. If you don't seem to really want to serve, then you really don't want salvation because it's required. Man, that's a tough thing to hear today. But nobody's left, so I'm kind of excited about that. And those of you at home don't I I know the average John tells me the average is 10 minutes online. I need more than that. Okay. So here's the deal friends. You're invited to serve a new king. But you're also invited to join a new family. This is good stuff here, okay? In fact, we're all invited this paragraph in verse 11 to 13 underscores the basis of Paul's message of inclusion. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In this case, everyone includes to him Jews and Greek. Now times have changed a little bit. We don't, we don't distinct between Jews and Greeks. We distinct between black, white, Asian, and Native American. Yeah? Don't we? Really? We distinct between... Democrat and Republican we distinct between American and Russian (laughs) or whatever you see the distinctions are different from when they were then but the results are the same they're all still people and God desperately wants them saved amen okay now in the early church some struggled with this concept especially in the early days They believed that non-Jews had to be converted to the Jewish faith as this sort of first step into becoming a Christian. Now, that was false, but they, they thought. They thought they had to. And Paul taught that that was completely false. Of course, they hated him for it. And he was joined by Peter after his experience at Cornelius' house where he stressed the Holy Spirit being given to the Gentiles in Acts 10. I think that's a tremendous story. Now, finally, the church in general began to see that God doesn't accept Or entertain human distinctions. Because everybody is welcomed to the family of God. Jesus died for everyone. And the invitation is offered to everyone. Here's the reality. Only if you accept it, though. (laughs) You see? Now, I think many people don't understand what accepting an invitation means. I want you to think on this with me for a minute. Go down my crazy rabbit hole. Uh, sometimes I think if you follow my thought process, you'd be more confused than when you started. But, but here, here, here's the deal. I, I think we don't understand what an invitation really means. If you're invited to a party, you can't half go. You can't partly attend. Now, you can be in a different mind when you do it, and I guess you could, could say that that's partly attending. But if you're there in presence of body, you can't partly attend. You can't half go. You either do or you don't. Yes or no? Can you, are you going down the road here with me? You do or you don't. And it is customary and typically expected to bring a gift at certain types of parties. Would you agree with that? Unless, of course, it's optional or it's discouraged. And I've been to parties where it's discouraged. No gifts, please. Especially if people have been married 100 years and they don't, right, they got everything. You've seen that, right? Okay. More to the point, your invitation requires you to dress and, I dare say, conduct yourself in a manner respective of the event. Would you agree with that? You know whether, and you will often ask, how should I dress for this? Well, then they'll tell you. Or, but And they have a standard of expectation as to your behavior when you get there. Would you agree? Okay. Some parties, you can, you know, you got to be sort of rigid and upright. And others, you can let it all hang out, I guess. And others are somewhere in, in between. And some people, I assure you, do not know the difference. <laughs> 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 right? I'm, I See, I'm, I'm, I'm practical here. I'm telling you. You, you, you're, you're with me. Your minds are going there. You understand what I'm saying. Here we go. When you accept the invitation of Jesus Christ, the same is true. Yes, He accepts you as you are, but He expects and demands that the changes indicative of your acceptance start taking place in your life. You see? Just as you would be out of place at an event where your dress or conduct was inappropriate, so are you out of place when you accept the invitation to become a Christian and a disciple, I dare say, of Jesus Christ. But what people see in you and how you act, do not reflect it. Nobody in here can say, I don't understand that. Nobody online. Nobody. You, you, can't, you can't claim that you just can't even children would understand that to a point you see Do you see the irony so when you don't you can't you can understand why it's difficult to imagine you've actually accepted the invitation when you don't reflect it people say well you can't judge me I don't have to you're judging yourself by your conduct when you accept the invitation it's all the way. You can't half accept. You can't half go. You can't half participate. It, it, it doesn't work. And the change is immediate, isn't it? When you come to Christ, you accept the invitation, the change is immediate. It's right there. Now, you're not all in yet, but you've changed, and the process starts. And it continues to be effectual in your life as you grow in Him. Yeah? The more in Him you grow, and it's expected from that point, the changes are more evident, yeah? Who knows the changes Christ has made in your life? There it is. Why? Because you accepted the invitation. Now, if the changes stop, or they're not the right ones, then you didn't really accept, did you? You see? You can't sort of attend a party, and you can't sort of be a Christian Neither. You know what the problem is? We're trying. People are trying to do that. It, if you can't sort of attend a party, you can't sort of be a Christian. Either you go or you don't, or you are or you aren't. This friends is what Paul is trying to say. And again, only a few truly accept the invitation. See? Acceptance comes with responsibility. And that might be why we don't really fully accept it, you see. Most people think, I got saved, I'm in the family of God, that's it. No. Remember how I started this whole thing? All you got to do is believe and blah. Yep. But when you do, this has to be. Okay. To remain in the family, you have to follow the rules and the commands of the head of the family, don't you? In that way... it's done in every hierarchy in history you got to obey the rules if you're going to be in this group of people in this company in this family in this whatever it is got to follow the rules that they put down the same is true in our society today how many times have you heard a a child tell a parent well I'm 18 I can do whatever I want in fact they haven't had a phrase whatever I do what I want (laughs) who's heard that before whatever I do what I want that was in a song I think and they did it for oh this one I'm, I'm dating myself now but you know what I mean whatever I do what I want and and I, I think there's kind of like a little well how'd it go Jessica? whatever I do what I want I thought I would never do that and now you just got me to do it See? whatever I do what I want okay kids have told parents I'm 18 I'm gonna do what I want and the parents says sure you can but while you live here you're gonna follow my rules Right? Most good parents do that. Yeah, sure. But while you're here, you follow my rules. If not, you can leave now. And then there's some parents that compromise it, and they shouldn't. I'm not going to get into that today. But you see where I'm, where I'm going here. Somehow, we've got it, gotten it into our heads that God doesn't require us to follow his commands and rules. <laughs> Has anybody thought that? Have you thought that maybe somehow in the church we've gotten this in our heads that we don't have to follow God's rules or his commands? We'll we'll say, well, you know, the church might say we have to do this, but that's not God's rules. That's their rules. It doesn't matter. If that's the rules of the house, that's the rules of the house. Amen? And some of the rules of the house are always going to be the same, no matter what house you're going to or they're not Christian. Yeah? Yeah? When God puts down the rules, every house of God all over the city, some rules are going to be the same, or they're not His. Yeah? Got to be, just like people, you see. And when we don't, we think God's just going to turn the other cheek and let it go. No, He won't. (laughs) And if anybody in here thinks that if you don't follow God's rules because your parents didn't, or so-and-so didn't, or that didn't, that God's going to turn your cheek and just let it go, they say, well... No, he won't. You know what scares me? It stuns me that there are so many Christians today who think it's okay and that he's going to do that. They really think that. I mean, they truly, honestly believe under the moniker of grace that he's going to do that. Nowhere does God say, well, and if, you're, if, if you want to be disobedient, I mean, these are the rules, and I want you to be obedient. But if you're going to be disobedient, I'll offer grace. Nowhere does he say that. Does he? If, if he does, you turn to the passage and please show me. Because I'd like to see it. I really would. I'm pretty sure it's not there. Who's with me? And if you don't know, better start looking. Because, friends, I'm telling you, what you think won't matter. There's a lot of people that, uh, we're, we're getting to that, by the way. But here's the thing. Not only do these people live their lives that way, but they teach others to do it too not only by telling them it's okay but by their their example they do it by their example and paul is clear in romans 132 that this is not only dangerous it's fatal if we don't correct it am i right chris he knows the verse i'm telling you right now pastor bob knows the verse i'm telling you right now they know listen to the words of the apostle apostle paul that jesus personally called into ministry jesus went on the road to damascus and personally called this man In the ministry, he said, you're going to be my disciple. You're going to be my apostle. You're going to do this. Paul was an apostle and a disciple. How was he a disciple? Because Jesus personally taught him through his spirit. That's how. So now, this is what he says. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Paul says that's fatal it's death that's what he says it means you're out of family understand which means well you know what it means I mean do we need to say anymore friends when we're invited to be part of the new family we accept and become like the family okay become like the family does that make sense it has to when we aren't like the family then we aren't really part of the family are we Which means we didn't really accept the invitation in the first place. Because when we do, it's immediate and it ought to remain permanent. You see, it really is that simple. We've muddied the waters and they're not muddy. They're crystal clear to to God and Paul. They're muddy here. And who do you think stirs up the water? Who's muddying the waters? Mm -hmm. Because he wants to. You're invited to join the family. Thirdly, we're invited to share the message. You get this? You're invited to share the message. Verses 14 to 17. Now, this invitation, friends, again, is not optional. It's like we're invited to serve a new king. We're invited to join a new family. We're like, we're all in. But now we're invited to share the message. Mm, not sure. No, no, no. Paul says they're all one and the same. It's all on the same invitation. Either you do or you don't. Let me tell you why. Paul was faithful when he received the call in Damascus, wasn't he? he uh, you remember God told Ananias, the, the prophet that he, he, he led Paul to, and he says, this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the Israelites as well. That's right out of Scripture. Acts 9.15 says it right there. This man is my chosen instrument to take the gospel to all people. All people, even the kings. Even the disciples didn't have that call, but Paul did. Okay? Now, Paul was sent to preach the message of the cross as well as the obedience to it, wasn't he? And was he obedient to do that? Yes. He said, as long as I have life and breath, I will do so. I only regret that I don't have more time to do it. That's what he said. He made it his life's mission because God made it his life's mission and that's a complete change he didn't pass go and collect $200 he didn't even go back to his house and take care of his affairs he just went I don't even know whatever it became of Paul's stuff he didn't went back to his house as far as I can find and if he did I don't know what it would have been he was gone for years and years and years and then he kept going back he lived with other people the whole of his life Not knowing where he's going to lay his head or not, but figured figured God was going to take care of him. If he didn't, that's okay. A lot of it, (laughs) uh, he he was in prison, you know. Now, we might not think prison is too bad because you get three squares a day and a roof over your head. Not so for Paul. A little different for him. You see the difference here? And not only this, but Jesus told his disciples to do the exact same thing in the Great Commission. He told them to teach others to do it too it was a command it wasn't a suggestion I think some Christians look at the Great Commission and think it's a great suggestion no it is not and I didn't I didn't make that up I stole that from somebody I think you, right friends when you accept the invitation of Jesus Christ this is part of the requirement of accepting again if you aren't sharing the message then you clearly aren't being obedient is that not true and and it may be that you didn't really accept the invitation after all. Because it's on there. It's part of it. And in this case, you understand what it means. I think there are a lot of people today who are mistaken about their status in the family of God. I, I, I don't know it, but I'm pretty sure. I don't get to make that call. God does. But I know what I see. And I I don't think I'm alone here. I think a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Again, while people are all different, there are certain things in their lives that they're Christians. They're going to be the same. Yeah? You follow me here? They got to be. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 is captioned, true and false disciples. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is Jesus talking here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Mm -hmm. See, that's not the most important thing. Here's the most important thing. Pick the word up. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. What's the most important word there? Plainly. Plainly is where you hang your hat here, kids you 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 have to hang your hat on plain. you have to look at plainly because when we do real when you when you go to school to learn how to be a pastor and to learn Bible study you learn how to tear apart the scripture and circle certain words that mean things and and plainly is the word here Jesus says I will tell him plainly I never knew you away from me you evildoers okay we look at, I never knew you, away from me, an evildoer. But plainly is the key. Let me paraphrase it for us using plainly. Many people will call Jesus Lord, and they think they are Christians, but not all of them are going to get to heaven. That's what he said in the first line. Did you grasp that? Only those who are completely surrendered and totally, totally obedient are going to get there. That's what he said. Many Christians are going to recount to Jesus all of the good things that they did. Even Christian things that they did. Because some of them cast out demons. That's kind of Christian. But he's going to tell them, here's plainly, straight up. (laughs) Tell them straight up. He uses the word plainly. But it's straight up. In other words, there's not going to be an argument here. I'm not going to change my mind. I will not reconsider because I cannot. And you will not have any recourse, even though you know if you squawk hard enough on earth, you'll get recourse. Not here. No such thing. The answer is final. Get away from me. You never really belong to me anyway because you never really accepted the invitation. You tried to half go to the party. You can't. You are and always were self-centered, not Christ-centered. And in being self-centered, you were really Satan-centered, and you did his bidding, not mine. You did Christian things, but I didn't ask you to do those things outside of me. Painful, isn't it? Get away from me and no you can't return another time because hell is final that's what jesus said break it apart please break it apart i implore you i invite you i admonish you i beg of you tear it apart because that's what he said do you know how many so-called christians today simply don't believe that he said that they don't believe and if they if they don't believe that's what it means Friends, here's my statement to you. Accept your invitation for real. Accept it for real. One more thing. The invitation for each of us might be different. But it's also the same. You follow me? Paul expressed in these verses the sending nature of the church. For it is the church that sends missionaries to other nations. Amen? Isn't it? But not all of us are called to go to other places. Amen? Nor are all of us called to preach the word of God in a pastoral role in the pulpit. Is that also not true? Most of us are called to faithfully share the good news of salvation in our home communities with friends, family, workmates, and yes, even those we don't like very much. Christians who share the gospel have, according to the Bible, beautiful feet or a welcomed presence. The Bible uses both of those phrases. And many who hear the gospel message will express faith and come to Jesus Christ, according to verse 17, as Paul relates it. So, to sum this up, while not all of us are called to be missionaries who go to other countries, or not all of us are called to be pastors who preach every Sunday or perform other pastoral duties, get this A L L in capitals. All of us are in, and all of us, friends, are called and expected to share the message of Christ. All of us. Now there are several ways to do it. And even though we might not necessarily be full-time in a job of ministry. You understand? We are full-time Christians. Or you're not all in. Or you're not in at all. You didn't accept your invitation. You didn't go to the party. You didn't go to the event. And full-time Christians are expected to share the gospel, get this, at all times. Not full-time, all times. Remember that. We aren't full-time, we're all-time. And I've made it my mission that when someone asks me when I'm talk- telling my minister, are you full-time? No, I'm all-time. I would like all of us to be- begin telling me, no, I'm all-time. Because if you start making that statement, you'll start believing it. You'll start knowing it. Because you're all-time. This is, this is what Jesus is. He's all-time. Time is short. And he expects us to be all-time. Agreed? Now remember, if you aren't sharing the gospel all the time, whenever an opportunity presents itself, and by living as a true Christian, that is an example for all to see, which is in fact sharing the gospel, then you didn't really accept your invitation. You, you, friends, you've got to wrap your head around this simplicity. You've you got to believe it, because he's saying it. This is what Paul's talking about. Break it down, look at it, do it up, you'll find. That's exactly what he is saying. I can't put it any simpler than that. And as our worship team comes, Scotty? Even though the early believers struggled with God's plan to include everyone in the church, the struggle resulted in an effective gospel. Because here we are. And it wasn't hindered, and it never stopped. Satan tried, he didn't quite make it. And the gospel message of belief and commitment is still valid even today, isn't it? Isn't it isn't, isn't, isn't still valid? The offer of salvation is made to all people. And the church has the privilege of sharing this amazing news of salvation and eternity. We all do. We are the ambassadors of Christ, friends. And it doesn't matter if it's this church on the corner. doesn't matter if it's a church down the street, the one across town, the one across the world. If they're Christian churches, they all are the same, as different as they are. We all have that same mission because it's God's mission. And as the ambassadors of Christ, we are to represent him to others. And we do so through our efforts as well as our examples. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, in verse, chapter 5, verse 20, said, We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Whatever you do today, be reconciled. Because tomorrow may never come. And tomorrow, for some people, is going to be too late. Amen? Maybe even for you. So basically, Paul needed us to understand that there are true believers and there are false believers. Really, that's the thing. He says that whatever you do, see to it that you are a... Say it with me. true believer. It will show immediately if you are, and it will continue to show... Until Jesus comes to take us home. And that's how you know you accepted your invitation. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.